In 2001, I became death girl. My brother died in January of that year, and I was devastated. Just a couple of months later, my mother-in-law died suddenly. I was a young mom with two babies at home, and she had become my best friend and my confidant, the person I talked to just about every day. Meanwhile, my father was dying a slow and ugly death with dementia. I was obsessed with death. How could I not be? I had bounced around different churches with different theologies, and so I found myself unsure of what I believed about death and life and heaven and hell, and I wanted to talk about it. I needed to talk about it. And so I talked to my friends, and I talked to anybody who would listen, and I came to realize that people are really uncomfortable talking about death, most people. I found that I was making my friends uncomfortable, but I also found that there was one place I could go that never got tired of talking to me about death, and that was the church. The church knows how to talk about death. And so my pastors talked to me, and my friends in church talked to me, and when they got tired of talking to me and listening to me, they assigned a Stephen minister to me who sat with me and had coffee with me and let me just process everything I was going through in trying to deal with this great mystery and tragedy. And so you sit in a place today where we know how to talk about death. If you watch the little videos I've been making to promote our, our sermons on Facebook, um, I said that Halloween, everybody puts up skeletons and makes their, their yard into graveyards, and it just seems like every year it gets more elaborate. But on November 1st, they pack it all up, and we don't talk about death anymore. But we can do that here when we need to. And so let us pray. Oh, Lord, as we look into Scripture and consider the things that you teach us and tell us about life and death, help us to receive your word and to receive the blessing of the truth that you promise us life eternal. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have been, in the month of October, reading... Um, through the book of Jeremiah. And so we started out talking about the role of the prophet and how Jeremiah was called to share uncomfortable truths, even when it was hard. And we talked about the way that God spoke to Jeremiah and gave him the word. And one day he said, go to the potter's studio, go to the potter's house. And he watched the potter and he learned that it's all in God's hands. And we talked about how Jeremiah had to share the uncomfortable truth that the people wouldn't be going home quickly out of exile, that they would be living in a faraway land, and God taught them that they could flourish there, that they could bless others there. And then we talked about how Jerusalem was sieged and war raged on and raged on and raged on, and yet Jeremiah had faith in what God would do. And so we've been through the book of Jeremiah, and when you're done with the book of Jeremiah, you land on the book of Lamentations. It's a very short book. It's only five chapters. It's poems. 
And the word lament means to grieve or cry. And so these are all tearful and sad words as the people suffered watching their, their whole land be destroyed. It's placed in our Bible right after Jeremiah because it's attributed to Jeremiah. He's called the weeping prophet. And if you Google the weeping prophet, that's one of the first pictures that comes up. Jeremiah did a lot of weeping because there was a lot of things to weep about in his time. And so those who compiled our Bible put lamentations right after Jeremiah. And if you don't know it, you could be forgiven because it's sandwiched between very long books, Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah. But it's different in the Hebrew Bible. We have the books that the Jewish people read, but they put them in different order when they bind them together. And so they put lamentations with Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, Esther, Ruth, all together, those five. And what's interesting about those five books is those five are all read aloud in their entirety at different times of the year. And so they read this book of lamentations on the 9th of Av, Their months are different than ours, and so it falls sometime in July or August, depending on the year. And so I'm not going to put the words up there. I just want you to listen to some of Lamentations. You're forgiven if you don't know it. As I said, we don't read it in church very much. But the first poem, Jerusalem is compared to a woman who is a widow and who has lost everything. How lonely sits the city that was so once full of people. How like a widow she has become. She that was great among the nations. She that was a princess among the provinces has become a vassal. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. And it goes on and on. Here's my favorite line. Look, oh look and see how worthless I've become. Is it nothing to you, all who pass by? Look and see. Is there any sorrow like my sorrow? Is there any sorrow like my sorrow? I think I like that line because um, when we are grieving deeply and something terrible has happened to us, it can feel like it's never happened to anyone else before. And we can look around and think, well, other people have lost loved ones. Other people have miscarried. Other people have lost children. Other people have gotten cancer. Other people have had their, their home destroyed or burned or whatever the great tragedy is. You can tell yourself, well, other people have suffered it. But for you, it's the first time. And there's no sorrow like your sorrow. And I think one of the things that I learned during my time of lament is that Christians, Americans, aren't very good at it. We want to move on. We want to be happy. We want to say a nice word that will take it all away. And that is good. But one of the things that we can learn from our Hebrew brothers and sisters, from our spiritual forefathers, is that sometimes you just need to sit with it. 
and you need someone to sit with you that doesn't have all the answers or the perfect thing to say, but that just says, I'm willing to look. I'm willing to see you in this state. I won't look away from your pain. I won't try to distract you. I'm willing to see that there's never been any pain like your pain right now. And I'm sad with you. Sometimes we just need to do that. One of the things I find interesting about the book of Lamentations, as I said, you may not know it very well, but there's one passage in chapter 3 that you might know. It goes like this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Patrick, we had to sing it because they would have started singing right now, and that was a beautiful version of it. Isn't it interesting that in all these five chapters of great sadness, there's one little bit of happiness, and that's the only line we know. But we're resurrection people, and that's what we do. But on this day, on All Saints Day, we remember, we remember all of it, We remember the sad part. We sit in it. We light candles with those who need to remember. And we say we won't turn away. We're going to look with you. I had the joy and privilege of attending a class uh, with Aaron Temple at Austin Seminary on storytelling. And I thought it was going to help us to learn how to tell stories to you. But really what the class was about was about teaching us to invite other people to tell their stories, to create spaces, to ask the right questions, to help people tell their stories. Because Mark Iaconelli, the man who, uh, who taught the class, led the class, author and pastor, said, you have no idea how much the world needs this. And we all lament that there's not young people in church, but there's young people out there And some of them are like Death Girl was. (laughs) And some of them are going through things and they're looking for someone to listen. We know how to do it. And so, what we do on All Saints Day, look, I can walk out of the circle and don't have to worry about the camera like I do on Sunday mornings. That's kind of cool. We have things to say about death and I want to say some of those things to you. John 11, 21 to 27, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. 
Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after this confession that he was the resurrection and the life. And as far as we know, Lazarus ended up dying sometime later. But all of us are promised resurrection in Christ. As Paul told the Corinthians, they were, they were worried about those who had died. And Paul said, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown in a physical body. It's raised in a spiritual body. If there's a physical body, there's a spiritual body. As one of dust, so are those who are of the dust, and as one of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the one of dust, we will also bear the image of the one of heaven. I ate a very delicious honey crisp apple today. And if you think of what an apple seed looks like and what an apple looks like, there's a big difference, isn't there? So it is with our resurrected bodies. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Look, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Here's another thing we say about death. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. Then they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And so we celebrate this day and remember those who have gone before us. And we can talk about death because we know how it ends. And we can sit with those who mourn because we know that their tears will be wiped away. If not by us with our brilliant words in that moment, then somewhere, sometime, before it all ends, it will be. Hebrews 12. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand, the throne of God. We have witnesses. We have things that we can say about death. And when everyone else runs away and doesn't want to talk about it anymore, we can sit with them because we know how it ends. Amen?